G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. It's the annual dinner of Cherished Life, but Kay Painter is a guest of Cherished Life in Queensland. As you know, in Queensland there are two bills that are before the Parliament being considered that would align the abortion laws in Queensland with those in Victoria and in Tasmania. In fact... Some people describe those abortion laws as taking them even to a step worse than what's happened in Victoria and Tasmania. And as you might have, if you're a regular listener to this program, you'll hear people talking about the abortion laws in Victoria and Tasmania as the worst abortion laws in the world. Now, Kay is one of the speakers at the dinner, the Cherish Life dinner tonight, and she'll be drawing attention to the effects of abortion and taking that to a place where there is not just a hopelessness, but an opportunity also to recover. Uh, Kay is the author of a book called From Sin and Sorrow to Service. And she knows from personal experience the downward spiral into depression and self-hatred that many post-abortive women suffer. Uh, She's spoken on national and international television and radio programs and has made 21 international tours warning about the harms of abortion on mothers. And Kay is joining us in the studio. A special welcome to you, Kay Painter. Welcome. Thank you, Neil. I'm very blessed to be here. Kay, you're only fresh off the plane, aren't you? I think, uh, is it yesterday you arrived in Australia? I, I landed from Vanuatu. I've been here almost a month. Okay, well, okay. Well, you're almost an honorary Aussie then. I hope so. This is my ninth <laughs> trip to Australia. Okay. You are one of the guest speakers at the Cherish Life Dinner. Yes. What sort of things will you begin to share with those who are gathered at that dinner that's on tonight in Brisbane? My prayer is that I can reach some ladies or some men that have been damaged by abortion that think that everything is fine. We're told an abortion, you just have it, move on, and everything is fine. And people are afraid to admit they've had them, and they live with depression. I tried to commit suicide twice because of my abortion. Um, I felt I had no worth. If anybody was had any worth, they would never kill their own child. So even God couldn't reach me. My prayer is that I can get that secret drawn out of them if it's sitting there tonight, whether it's a man or a woman, and that through my testimony of what God has done in my life, and I am nothing special outside of my Lord, that it is possible for them to get out of the depths that they feel of guilt, shame, or to stop someone from making the same mistake I did being told, it's just an abortion and you can walk away and never worry about it again. Let me ask you about something just before we came on air. Uh, You said, you've got a secret, Neil. Mm -hmm. You do. Because everybody has a secret. Exactly. Maybe I won't tell you my secret today. Most people don't. (laughs) (laughs) Because if I told you, it wouldn't be a secret anymore. That's right. But people have secrets that we carry around, and there are times when... 
And sometimes it's just a narrow window of opportunity to be able to share that secret. And sometimes that secret's been holding us back, Mm -hmm. uh, causing us all sorts of trauma that can last a whole lifetime. When you start to talk about and reflect on secrets and your own story of secrets too, how do you begin to unpack uh, that whole concept? Basically, I just look at them and say, okay, you know, we're all the same, but everyone in this room and everyone listening on this radio today has a secret. I'm not asking you to share it, but I'm asking you to think about it. What have you done with that secret? Have you literally learned from it and moved forward and left it at the cross? Or are you still like I for 16 years carried the burden, the guilt, the shame, the degradation of what I had done and wore a smiley face, put my hair on, went to church, sat there very proper, everything was fine, when inside I was so damaged? The secret you're talking about is that you had, in your younger years, had an abortion. Uh, is this the sort of secret that women will often come up to you after giving a presentation and they'll pour out their heart and, and they'll say, that's the secret I've been carrying as well? Oh, yes. Yes, quite often. And when I do speak, I do ask that whoever is hosting me will have counselors or someone available so when I walk away, they are not left with an open wound. You cannot open a wound that deep that's been held so quietly and so tightly and carefully bound and not feel pain again when it opens. The trouble is, are you going to carry the pain forever? Or will you seek help and counseling and get help and be free like I am? Because, heavens, I tried to commit suicide twice. I had no value. God didn't love me. I couldn't go to heaven. Uh, But I was looking fine, and I was smiling and saying I was fine, when deep inside, I was destroyed. Tell me about this attitude that is a perception about what perhaps Christians or people who are in church or people who are a part of a pro-life movement uh, have about people who've had an abortion, that somehow or other it's like uh, wielding the big stick of judgment. And uh, and when I hear you begin to talk about this and and women who would share their secret with you, not because they're expecting you to bring out a big stick and say, oh, you naughty girl, uh, oh, you bad person. Uh, but this is, I, when I can hear you uh, talking about these things, I can hear a beautiful sweetness in your ability to communicate, which is actually embracing people and and caring for people. And yes, you've got to say no to abortion. And there's sometimes you've got to say that strongly, but it's not the big stick approach, is it? How can I condemn someone else for something that I did? I mean, no, I don't come across or I pray that I don't come across as critical or condemning in any way. My prayer is that I can help people come out of where I came from. I know how they feel. I know how destroyed and damaged they are. I know how important it is to keep people pushed away from you and not ever let them know because if they knew you killed your baby, what would they think of you? It's 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 love. If I hadn't been loved, I would still be sitting in damage. But I'm not. I was loved. I was trained. I came. I found the answer in God's word, and when it came alive to me, it was like, "Oh God, you still love me." And, and because of that, I said, "I will give the rest of my life to help somebody where I was come out and be free and know that they're forgiven." People are going to look for answers in all sorts of places. Uh, Kay, when you start to share that you found 
the answer in God's word, what does that mean? For some people who never pick up a Bible, they're saying, well, uh, well, I'm not sure what that I'd be looking for. I don't know where to look in there. I mean, how does God speak to someone who is carrying around this sort of burden in the first place? How do you talk about that sort of thing? Do you remember the prodigal son and the, and the father? He was standing there waiting for his prodigal child to come home. If you pray and tell God you're sorry, and I ask God to forgive me thousands of times before I finally found forgiveness for myself, he forgave me the first time. I had to learn to forgive myself. And for you who maybe don't read a Bible, I have no other answer but Jesus Christ. I don't think I could have. I know I could not be who I am today without that. But pray about it. Tell him you're sorry. And then open the book and let those words come out and just melt into your heart and stamp into your mind and know that God loves you no matter what you've done. There is nothing you can muck up that he can't reach down pull you up. I don't care if it's been five years, 20 years, 30 years. I don't care if you killed your baby. Whatever you've done, there is no big sin, little sin in the Bible. It is simply sin. We people, we we humans have made big sin, little sin. And abortion is a big sin. And like me, never been forgiven. But it's not true. Do you know, I'm sure that there must be people who are outside of the church, uh, never listen to Christians, uh, carrying around the hurt and the grief that comes from their own having had an abortion. And some of those will have gone and sought help from a secular counsellor, mm-hmm. uh, expecting that somehow or other secular social sciences will have an, uh, a way to uh, be able to speak into or mask Uh, the pain that people are experiencing. As a Christian, tell me about the contrast of of how that might work, Kay. I mean, what's so special about recognizing this particular uh, hurt and pain and even sin before God and recognizing that the real way to bring recovery and forgiveness is actually using him as the starting point? You said a key word in in that introduction, Neil, and that was mask. We can cover it, and we can seek secular help. And I'm not saying that they don't help. I don't know. I know when I had my nervous breakdown, I had two secular psychiatrists with big diplomas on their wall. And I had one very, very wise little pastor who was dying of four-stage cancer who offered to help me. Now, I didn't go to church for years because God didn't want a murderer in his house. You know how people sit in the back row? That was me. Mm. But the two people with the diplomas, they looked at it from a different view. I can't explain it. It's a secular view. It's, you know, you just go on, you just move on. But if you get into the Word and you see how much you are loved, you were created for a purpose. You aren't just here by accident. You weren't just born and somebody looked down and said, what are we going to, God looked down and said, what are we going to do with that? He said, no, that's my child. He has a plan and a purpose for everyone. And if we muck up, it's okay. The thing we've got to do is to get back into his word and find our value back in our mistakes. Leave them at the cross with Christ where he bled and died just for that. And to get up and use that mistake. I mean, there's a saying, you know, there's no test without a testimony. There's no message without a mess. And I did it all. And I'm free. 
Kay, I suspect that there'd be people who have other secrets, not just an abortion Absolutely. secret. Uh, those sorts of things that we carry around for a long, long time, uh, we are keeping them secret. They're hidden out of the way, and we don't want anyone really to know about those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, God is in every one of those dark rooms of our body and our mind. Uh, he knows where the secret is in the first place. It's not like we can hide these things from God. But but I imagine there's all sorts of hurts that people carry around that when you begin to tell your story, people are thinking of all sorts of other areas and other secrets that they've got. Do you find that this same principle uh, works when people are actually uh, airing whatever sin or whatever secret they're carrying? Oh, absolutely, yes. You know, God is a loving God, and it doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter if if you've had an abortion, if you've had an adultery, if you've been in drugs, if you've been in prostitution. It doesn't matter where you've done. Maybe it was something done to you that you had no chance to argue or to get yourself out of, but you still feel guilty. If I hadn't looked at that boy twice or if I hadn't walked down this lane uh, at night by myself or Whatever, we all pick up that guilt, and it's got to be let go of. It doesn't matter what the secret is. God knows the secret. All we need to do is ask him for forgiveness with a true heart, repent, and then start believing not what we feel, but what faith tells us to do. If you go by feelings, you're going to live an up-and-down roller coaster life your whole life, which is what I did. No, you want to have a perfect, smooth, peaceful life. Yes, it's rough. But God's always there. You just have to believe in the Bible when it says you live by faith and not by feelings. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective. 2020 on Vision. Good to have you along with us. The Thursday edition of 2020 and a great conversation, one that you can really uh, get a... Uh, a lot of, uh, I'm just trying to think of a, a good word here. You can empathize with the sorts of things that our special guest is sharing today. And you might like to communicate directly with our special guest. Kay Painter is our guest. Now, Kay is an author. She has written a book called From Sin and Sorrow to Service. And she's telling her story today, and we've only really just begun to scratch the surface on Kay's story. But we are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Kay, let's take a call from Leanne in Esperance in Western Australia before we go any further. Hello, Leanne. Welcome along to 2020. Thank you. Hi. Leanne, great to hear from you. What are your thoughts on our conversation today? Uh, Well, first of all, I want to say, Kay, thank you so much for your courage that is amazing. I know that it takes a lot of courage to do that. And um, what I wanted to contribute is that I'm coming from two different perspectives of the whole abortion thing. One is that when my mum fell pregnant with me at 17 years of age, she tried to abort me and then at birth tried to give me up for adoption and she didn't succeed. I know that by the grace of God, she wasn't allowed to do that. She, when I was 16, she told me how she tried to abort me and how many times she tried. And then at my birth, how she tried to give me up for adoption and that the nursing staff actually handed me back and said that I was mum's baby and that um, I was a beautiful baby and that she would love me and keep me. I personally believe those ladies had to have been angels because in 1964, babies were being taken and from somebody who she was only 18 when she had me for me to have been left with her was amazing and because she was um, 
a single mother. The man that she fell pregnant to was actually married with two children at the time. I've never met him. Um, and so life wasn't easy. But when she told me, as horrific as that sounds, that a woman would say that she's tried to abort this baby and tried to give it up, I'm so grateful that I know. I really am because I've always felt like an alien in the human body. And to know that, helped me to understand why I'd felt so rejected. So I've gone through life. Mum died when I was 18, so I haven't been able to talk very much more with her about it. But the most amazing thing was that then I fell pregnant when I was 25 and the doctor actually said to me, you know, you can have an abortion. It's like, I don't think so. If my mum could keep me without Social Security when she was only 17, 18, I can keep this baby in this day and age. There's no way it's going to happen. Well, as a result of falling pregnant with that child, I wasn't with her father either. I left him before I found out I was pregnant. But the result of that then meant that I ended up going to a church for a food voucher and I ended up becoming a Christian. Long story short, ended up becoming a Christian through that church and I've never looked back. And I tell you, like I said, Kate, thank you so much for your courage for speaking up about that because there are those, for the children that survive, that don't end up being aborted, the, the difference that it can make. Like I know that God uses me now to encourage other people and even I, I've even spoken, tried to encourage another woman out of an abortion Good. because Good. she felt pregnant. It was just a, um, you know, she didn't want to be with the father anymore and it was just yeah. a convenient thing. And I went along to a family planning clinic and the lady sat me down to watch the video so I could help this woman. But what I saw just, absolutely horrified and traumatized me and then she realized how soft my heart was and realized that she shouldn't have left me alone to watch what happened. Leanne, you have the most amazing story and I, I can tell that, uh, that, uh, that Kay is ready to just respond. She's got tears in her eyes and I'm getting a bit choked up here too. But Kay, uh, what are your thoughts in response to Leanne and what she's sharing? Leanne, you've just validated what I've been trying to say. There is no accidents with God. We are not here by accident. We're here by planning. And the way you have brought it out, it just validates what I'm trying to say. Have you ever prayed and thought about perhaps stepping out yourself and sharing your story? Because it's different than mine. And you can reach people I never would reach. But, oh, you have a beautiful testimony. And I thank you so much for calling. You blessed my heart. And, I'm yes, I've got tears. Uh, Leah, uh, what I wanted to do was encourage you and and bless you, because yeah, you what you've done is an amazingly brave thing, and you need to know that. Well, just don't thank me. Thank God, because I felt Amen. I was no good. And oh, glory, Leanne, glory. let me ask you: Do you have any opportunities to share your story at pro-life events in Western Australia? Are there any groups that you're connected to? Not pro-life, um, but one-on-one. Uh, where we are, uh, Neil, we've actually met. My husband and I came across the Queensland, uh, I think, a year or so ago. And we have actually met. But where we are in Esperance, it's very remote from Perth. And that doesn't mean that those kinds of things don't happen here. But believe me, I do I do speak up about it. And I do encourage wherever I can, wherever God will give me opportunity. And he gets all the glory for it. That's right. Um, you have the right I do idea. And I will. You have the right idea. It, it, not everybody's called to speak out publicly. But God does have a purpose for what you went through. And as long as you seek that purpose and follow through, you will be blessed. I, I guarantee it. I just wish there were thousands of others just like you that were ringing on this phone right now and saying, 
you know, I tried to have an abortion or my mother tried to abort me, but I know that abortion is wrong. I know that I'm here for a purpose. And oh, just look for what he has called you to do. He didn't put you through that. He didn't let you get all that information to keep it to yourself. It may be one-on-one, and that's fine. Everybody has their own path to use and to walk. And through that walk, you will meet people that I never will. And through what I do, you know, it's just a different path, but it's the same purpose. And it's the releasing of all that, I'm not worthy, they tried to get rid of me, I'm no good, that you have turned around exactly the way God would want you to do it. And you're using it for his purpose. And that's what we need to do. We need to get more people like you. Thank you so much for calling and God bless. Leanne from Esperance in WA, great to hear from you. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316, 1-800-316-316-K. Uh, wonderful getting that sort of uh, oh, yes. compliment mm-hmm. coming from uh, a lady who's gone through a, a different, but there are some similarities in her story. Absolutely. Let's take this a step deeper with you because while we've been talking about your own abortion, that wasn't the only secret you were carrying. I think many of us have many secrets, Neil. But yes, I did. I um, I was married to two different men. I didn't seek God's way to get married. I just did what I felt was for me. I'd gone to church all my life, and when I got ready to get married and found this guy, I didn't think to ask God if we were equally yoked or not. It was abusive. I was beaten. I was hit. Um he chased me. You'll read it in the book. There's a lot in there that I can't share in such a short time. But he chased me with an axe through the house to kill me. My oldest daughter was just a little girl, but she stepped up and she said, you have to go through mommy to get to me. Um, my second, I was so desperate for somebody to tell me I had value because my husband, my first husband would say, you're dumb, stupid, keep your mouth shut. If I wasn't on time home, I could get beaten. Or if I didn't do something right, if the rain came at the wrong time, something that that one of the counselors told me was, you know, who do you think you are, God? I accepted the blame for the rain. I accepted the blame for the flat tire when I was late getting home from work and things like that. Who do you think you are, God? And I said, no, you're taking on God's place. We have to realize that, that, you know, not only did I get beaten by my first husband, I was so lonely that a man smiled at me across the room and he looked like I actually had value. He, his eyes lit up at me, and I didn't even wear makeup or anything because I wasn't pretty. I was dumb. I was stupid. I'd been told, and a lie told often enough is believable. So I had an affair with him. I was so in love with him, and I was determined he was my answer. I didn't check with God the second time, and I'm sure what he'd have told me, probably that's why I didn't check with him. But um, we broke up a family with five children uh, between us and got married, and everything was going to be rosy. But you know what? Affairs don't work either. <laughs> mm. Somehow God's way is always the right way. And soon I found out he was cheating on me, just like he cheated on his first wife. And, you know, I found out my children were abused. My two girls had been mishandled by the stepfather. Um, I battled with cancer. I fought suicide. There's just a lot of things in the book that will touch almost anybody. Um, I don't believe you could read the book without finding one section that applied to you. Kay, it reminds me of the value of parents who raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord mm-hmm. uh, so that they are aware that you know God's laws are not for 
confinement, but they are actually the thing that gives us freedom and release into a good life. Uh, sometimes you've got to learn hard lessons. I, I guess you feel like you've had to learn some hard lessons along the way. I'm very pig-headed. It takes a lot to stop me. <laughs> so I hope I can use that same stubbornness and that same persistence to get the word out that, you know, if you're facing something horrible and you don't understand why, just hang on to the Lord. Trust that he's got it all under control. I I can't stress enough, you know, I went to church all my life, and I heard the Bible, I heard the Word, I sat in church, but when it came to applying it to my life, I did not. I took my own reasoning, my own feelings, and I used that, and that's why I ended up where I did. Christ's biggest trip was not up the Calvary cross. I've been there, I've walked it, it was steep, and he pulled that cross, but his hardest trip is from our head, the 12 inches down to our heart. When he gets there, it's all new. Kay, as you share your story, and really uh, we took things to a new level when you started talking about your abortion in those earlier years. Then you began to share that you'd had an affair. Uh, there were all sorts of things that were contributing to the sort of grief that you were carrying. Eventually, you got to the point where you had what we'd all recognize and understand that terminology of having a nervous breakdown. Tell us about how that came about. I was just at work one day when I noticed that when I saw people on the street or in the grocery store, I would avoid them. My door, when I got ready to walk out my apartment door, was heavier and heavier. And one day at work, I just broke. The tears began. I couldn't stop them. And I just walked up to my supervisor, and I started to say, i am got to go. And she looked at me, and she said, call me as soon as you can. I left. I knew that I was in trouble. I didn't know quite what was wrong. I went to my doctor, not the abortionist. Abortionists are not doctors. They're abortionists. I went to my doctor, and he just sat me down, and he said, Kay, what's wrong? And for the first time in 16 years, I said the word, I've had an abortion, and I can't carry it any longer. He put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Kay, we're going to get you some antibiotic, uh, some antidepressants and we're going to get some counselors. It was then that I began to open up and share this ugly stuff. We're told women's choice. We hear this word women's choice or women's health. It sounds good. It's not good. Abortion is never good in any situation of any kind. We have sex. God determines the pregnancy. And this petition that you guys are working on right now is don't let the wording kid you. I apologize for my country in some ways because America usually leads the world in all different kinds of areas. And unfortunately, we led you into this. And now you're looking at an abortion up to birth. When does it stop? Anytime you go into an abortion clinic, I don't care what anyone says. They may not show it. They may not admit it. But one come out damaged, always come out damaged. They may never admit it, but they are damaged. The second one never comes out at all. We have got to stop what they call women's health. It's not about women's health. If it was women's health, they would be concerned about the baby and the mother because the mother's going to suffer after, after shocks, whether they deny it, stuff it, get angry about it, and fight for it or not. They are damaged, and I just I just feel sorry for them. I wished I could reach out to them as well and say, if you're angry, if you're bitter, if you think that that abortion is okay, I would just ask, have you really thought about it? What does God's word say about it? It says the shedding of innocent blood. I mean, 
even if you're an atheist, there are some wonderful atheists out there, and they know that abortion is wrong. Life is life. There's life the minute the sperm and the egg hit and meet. There's an instant life that starts to grow. Not three days later, not five days later. In 18 to 24 days, the heart starts to beat. Does that mean that's not a life? We are taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take one from John in Western Australia. Hello, John. Welcome along. Uh, Thank you. John, what are your thoughts on our conversation today? Uh, My granddaughter, she had abortion. She was forced into it by her partner, and she's having a a complication over it, and, and she would have made it beautiful mother but she was forced into it by a partner and she has it uh, she got two years before she can't have a baby anymore mm-hmm. it's it's a common thing I imagine Kay as you respond to John that oftentimes a partner does force a young woman to have an abortion John may I ask you is is your daughter still with this man yeah my granddaughter yeah she is still she with is still man. with him yeah I applaud you for being brave enough to step up and, and speak about this because it's something that isn't always shared. Uh, men are damaged by abortion, too. Grandparents are uh, are affected. Aunts and uncles. There's a whole limb of a tree, a family tree, that is eliminated when there's someone aborted. Um, if your daughter is still feeling quiet about it, but you know that she's damaged, you might want to encourage her to get some help, to go speak to your pastor, your priest. Uh, In the meantime, please pray for her, because even if she may appear to be okay, I am absolutely convinced that somewhere down deep in there, she knows what she did, and she's bearing a weight that she doesn't need to carry anymore. John from WA, thank you so much for your call. And as the father of your daughter... No doubt you'll be in prayer and asking for God to Mm -hmm. intervene in that circumstance and to be a part of not only your whole family, but especially into your daughter's life at this time. Thanks so much, John, from WA. Let's hear from Marilyn in South Australia. Hello, Marilyn. Welcome along. Oh, hello. Um, Yes, I'm coming from a bit of a different angle again. And I thank you, Kay, for saying... um, the subject and bringing it up. Now, I'm going back a long time ago. Um, in 1967, I did get pregnant and I had a baby girl in 1968. Now, <clears throat> I wasn't forced to have an abortion <clears throat> and back then it was home for unmarried mothers and as I had gone to church, I went to a home for unmarried mothers, which was a church home. Um, now, I wasn't forced to have an abortion, but on the other hand... Um, I could not have had one. In my mind, and I guess God was just saying, no, don't have it, it's, you know, just don't have it. And so, yes, on the other hand, I did give her up, which was a hard thing to do, but I gave her life. Amen. And that that is a thing that when she was, oh, just before she was 18, I put my <clears throat> medical records and all that down, and I received a letter from the state, um, government saying she'd be adopted by a couple in the country and they'd adopted a boy previous, so that was okay. And then about two years after that, uh, Jigsaw rang me and they said, oh, we've had a call from your daughter. And I thought, oh, and I nearly dropped the phone. So I ended up 
long story short, I ended up meeting up with her. I came on my own to her place with some photos and she had some photos of when she was growing up. Uh, and from then on, um, I eventually married and had two other children and I have grandchildren. So I've got actually grandchildren from her as well and the oldest one who just turned 21. Mary, so I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you. You know, I'm glad you brought this up. Because in Australia, I know abort, uh, adoption is a very difficult thing. It's not easy mm. like in America. I can't remember. They said something like 20 last year or something like that. Mm. But, you know, you gave her what you could, which was life. And then you did something that is very, very difficult. You gifted her. You know, you can give a bar of soap. You can give a bottle of perfume. But when you give part of yourself, you gift it. You gifted that family a child that they wanted, needed, but couldn't have for themselves. More people need to do that. It is hard, but you don't live in guilt, do you? You know you did what was right for your daughter. I did what, yes, I did what was right at the time. That's and, right. And um, whatever happened, happened. Um, but yes, it was um, it's just something that, and I had to go back to work and people knew that I'd had a baby, but that was okay. Well, it wasn't really, but yes, I got through it. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I, I keep in touch with her, not a lot, but, um, you know, I'll see her occasionally and, and the children. Good. And well, don't so, be ashamed of it and don't feel bad. I am no, proud I of you. I am proud. I, the matron of the um, hospital, she said, what are you going to do? And I said, look, I know, you know, I'm, I can make a couple happy and hopefully I can go on to have other children, which I did. Good. And, you know, if you'd have had an abortion, there's a possibility that you wouldn't have been able to have the other two children because abortion quite often, not always, but sometimes damages the uterus or they puncture something. And then when you get ready to have your family that you're ready to have, you can't bear them. So, you know, by gifting that first child, you assured yourself that you would have a family of your own later on down the road. And you certainly did exactly what God would want you to do. And I, I thank you. I'm glad you called in and made that point. Thank you. Marilyn from South Australia, thank you so much for sharing that story. And that's a good news story mm-hmm. uh, when we talk about something like this where we're talking about trauma and grief and depression and spiraling down to dreadful things. Uh, thank you so much to Marilyn from South Australia. Let's get back onto the serious stuff that actually isn't good news because, really, you got to a point, Kay, uh, having been through abortion, been through those affairs, carrying all of these secrets, carrying this trauma from your past. You had gone through a nervous breakdown. You couldn't even get up and couldn't get out and didn't want to see your friends, didn't want to be a part of people's lives. You eventually got to a point where you were considering suicide. Oh, I tried it twice. I tried it twice. I set the plan all up, got it all ready, got everything ready for the house, for the family, and everything was ready. And one day I just left my youngest son with my oldest daughter. And I remember as I looked back the cul-de-sac and waved goodbye to him, and he said, bye, Mommy, see you later. And I thought, no, honey, you won't see me later. And I got on the freeway, and I was always known for being a fast driver. In fact, my older grandchildren would say, go, Gammy, go, Gammy, go, Gammy, go, because I was a fast driver, and they loved it. So they wouldn't think anything about it if I accidentally ran into a concrete wall. It would just be the way I drove. And so it would be a natural thing. The insurance would be there for the family, and they would be so much better off without me. I tried, I don't know how many times, driving back and forth across that that freeway, headed for that concrete wall, and I could not do it. And all that proved to me at that time was 
hey, you're so stupid and dumb, just like your husband said. You're so useless, you can't even kill yourself and rid the world of you. And it just made my depression and my self-guilt and my assuring that I had no value even deeper. It is only now that I can look back and say, God saved me so I could be here today. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Kay Painter is our guest. She's in Australia and will be a guest speaker at the Cherish Life annual dinner, which is on tonight in Brisbane. The Cherish Life website for all the details on that, cherishlife.org.au. Kay, running a little short of time, but I don't want to miss the opportunity to hear from callers who've been waiting patiently on the phone. So let's take some calls, and we might need to be fairly quick, but Phil from Queensland. Hello, Phil. Welcome along. Yeah, hi, how are you? Good, Phil. We need to be fairly quick, yeah. but what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, yeah well, well, I came in late in the conversation, but uh, my wife and her story is that we... My wife was 38 when she had her second child, and we went to the doctor, and he said, oh, you're 38. You know, there's a good chance you could have a Down syndrome child. We can fix this, you know. And um, I was pretty upset. Uh, and I stood up, and the, my wife got me by the shirt and said, just let it go. And anyway, we had a child. He's... Went through high school, he's stuck at the school, he's been national level athlete and he's just completing uni with honours. Mm. And um, it turns out that after we had Matthew, oh, I said his name then, <laughs> we couldn't have any more children. My wife went into early menopause, so if we'd have followed man's advice, we'd never had another child and wouldn't have had someone as special as he is. So, yeah. Thank you. You great. just gave a beautiful witness yourself. I can't add any more to that other than God bless you and go, Matthew. Uh, that was Phil. Thank you so much to Phil from Queensland. And yes, Matthew, uh, Phil's child. Brilliant. Let's hear from Athena in Queensland. Hello, Athena. Welcome along. Hi, how you going? Very good, Athena. What are your thoughts? Uh, I just wanted to share um, my, my quick story. Um, I had, before I found Jesus, I had um, uh, two abortions. One when I was 19. Um, and from that moment on, my life just spiraled out of control completely out of control. I remember just sitting there, you know, through work, couldn't concentrate for years and years. <clears throat> Ended up um, to the point where I couldn't work. <clears throat> so, and um, and then at 23, I think, I had, I ended up on drugs too. I was really bad on drugs. I attempted suicide a few times. Um, I just kept longing for this child that I desperately wanted but didn't think I deserved, didn't think I'd be able to raise. Um, but, I just didn't know the way. Um, so at 23, I had another abortion, and honestly, it, that pain just just stayed with me. And until I found the, until I well, the Lord found me. <laughs> until I surrendered to the Lord and realised just how much this destroyed my life and how how wrong I'd been. Um, I'm so glad you. Guided, I'm so guided. glad you brought yeah. this up because you know what? That's very typical. Once you've had a baby or gotten pregnant, had an abortion, there's that emptiness, that void, that guilt, and you want to have another. And it's not unusual for people like you. I didn't, I didn't, unfortunately for me, I didn't. But many will have multiple abortions after the first trying to replace those babies, but they never quite can. I'm very, very happy to hear that you've done what, you know, if you let it go, you realize that, you know, God's forgiven you. And now you need to take and use that for wisdom. And like this law that's coming up here right now, it's very important people get out and vote. Get out there and vote. Stop this stuff. 
don't let America lead you down a wrong path. I'm not I'm an American and I have no right to tell you how to run your politics. But I do know this is not political. This is moral. This is important that we get the vote out. Stop this now. Thank you so much for calling and please be blessed and know that God loves you. Thank you so much to Athena from Queensland for sharing your story. And on the back of Athena's story, and she's alluding to a way that she has come through that hurt, Mm -hmm. that trauma, that pain. Let's come back to that experience of people who perhaps have joined us, didn't hear the first part of our conversation, Kay, uh, when you began to to explain just how you you began to recover from uh, this experience that you've been through. Let's talk about that one more time. Okay. Well, I ended up with three counselors after my breakdown. One was a little pastor who himself was dying of fourth-stage cancer. He told his family, he told his wife, who told me later, I want to spend time with my family. My time is short here on earth, but Kay's eternity is more important than spending time with you. And he gave me hours of counseling. It was through that and the, the one the, one of the many things that the, the word became live to me, it was like I was a dry sponge and I began to understand it. I'd read the Bible. It was just a book. Now suddenly it was alive and I understood it and I understood I was forgiven. One of the scriptures, when, when Jesus was being crucified, the night of his crucifixion, he told Peter, you will deny me three times. Peter said, no, 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 not me. I know you're Christ. I know I've seen what you do. And then he said, you'll deny me three times. And Peter said, no. But we all know he did, didn't he? Yet the next morning on, crucif- when, uh, on resurrection morning, when Mary came and there was an angel there, the angel said, and listen, because we blow right over this. And this was what one of the things that caught me and I knew that I knew. The angel said, go tell the disciples that Jesus will meet you in such and such a city. And oh, tell Peter. I picked that up because I'd never, I've read the Bible hundred, I never picked up on that. And it was like he said, I'd said, Jesus, I'll never have an abortion. I'll never have an affair. I'm a good person. I would never do that. Never. And Jesus said, yes, you okay. And then I was filled with guilt, just like Peter. I turned and ran, just like Peter. And just like Peter in that, in that last three or four words, and go tell Kay, I have risen. I am alive. And to me, that was the freeing moment when I began to realize God's arm could even reach me. Peter was crushed Mm -hmm. by his own sense of inadequacy, his own denial, his own sin and even rejection of his Lord and Savior. Yes. And those special words, you're saying you can put your own name in there. Absolutely. Uh, Jesus hasn't forgotten about you. Put your own name in there. You can't oh, run And from go me. and tell Kay. Go and tell <laughs> and Neil. Go tell, that's right. Go put and your tell, name in there. Put your own name in there. Yes. Look, you are here in Australia, and it is timely that you are here because there is the Cherish Life dinner that's on tonight in Indrapilly. And I was telling people that they can go to uh, that website uh, for cherishlife.org.au and find the details for that dinner. Uh, Still opportunity for people to go to it, as I understand. We've also been talking about this petition. There's a petition, and you'll get the details on the Cherish Life website too, cherishlife.org.au, because the bills that are before the Queensland Parliament, uh, they need to have uh, people who are signing petitions uh, to to resist uh, those laws changing in Queensland. 
your your ideas, Kay, just very quickly about how valuable it is for people to sign a petition when it comes to making change in law. Well, number one, the first petition that came through here that closed just a couple of weeks ago, I sent one in myself. I offered to send them a book. I offered to travel back over here and talk to them and tell them of the devastation of abortion. Number two, they've got until February 13th of next year. I mean, surely you could stop and not have a cupper. Surely you could stop and get rid of the news for 10 minutes. Get that petition signed. It is important they know where people stand. We are talking about babies, innocent babies being slaughtered now right up until birth. And unfortunately, in some areas, even after birth, you can have a baby. You talk about you open the door and you start playing God. There are countries in this world that will let the woman have the baby, send her home. And if she chooses not to keep it for whatever reason, it cries too much. I don't really decided I don't really want to be a mom. They can take it back and that child is killed. When do we stop? When do we stop playing God? Where does it start? It started with a baby. It's going to end up with older people, people that are slightly deformed. This, they, this is not playing games. This is serious stuff, guys. Get out there and vote. I, I, I'm an American. I have no right. But I can just tell you, I don't want to see your country go where mine has been and where we are now. It is ugly, and it's going to get uglier. Kate Painter, and that website where you can get some details, get a link to that petition that you can sign, cherishlife.org.au. Kay, a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for having the courage to share your story with us, and I'm sure that listeners uh, all over Australia tuned into our program today will be very, very encouraged. Neil, I want to thank you for the courage yourself to do this. Many churches won't take me. Many places won't take me because the subject is too, quote, political. Ladies and gentlemen, it is not political. It is moral. It is life and death. If you take life away, what choices do you have? Death. This is important. Get out. Sign those petitions. Vote. Speak up. Don't be afraid. And I thank you and applaud you for the time you've given me. The Lord's blessing on you, Kay Painter. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.